Basically, the heart of our church is to disciple. That's what God has called us to do. When you look at the Great Commission, the bottom line is discipleship. Go and make disciples. Teach everything that I have commanded you. That's what Jesus said. So that's what we're trying to do. We're doing our best. It's a big task. And so the first week, we talked about embracing the, um, the, the Great Commandment. The first active thing we need to do, because all these things have to be active, in our life is we have to actively embrace the first commandment. We've got to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight. And love our neighbor as ourselves. We have to do that. That's the first commandment. And a lot of what we talk about will go along with those two. The second thing we talked about is being an active attender. Or you could use the word member of church. That we would be actively involved in the church of Jesus Christ. We talked about that last week. And this is our third active. Oh, we got some Bibles. Anybody need a Bible? Just raise your hand. We'll make sure that you get a Bible tonight. And our third one tonight is we are called, and this is where the drum roll, please, and you got to write it down. The third thing is, is that we are, an act, we are to have an active devotional life. That we're to have an active devotional life. Now, again, when we go through these eight things, you're going to say, duh, on all of them. I know that. But this is so important. And I really want to talk to you tonight about having an active devotional life. God calls us to be in relationship with him. When I got back from sabbatical, we did a series out of the book of Ephesians chapter 6 where we talked about being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Ephesians 6:10. And we talked about that we cannot be strong on our own. We are going to need to tap into the power of God, and one of the ways to do that is through our devotional life. When David was at his lowest, not only were his enemies coming against him, now his own men were coming against him. And it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David encouraged himself or found strength in the Lord. And so that's what we want to talk about. How do I encourage myself in the Lord? How do I find strength in the Lord? And we do that through uh, a devotional life. And I believe it's the church's job to disciple believers. That's what we're called to do by Christ. And so tonight I, we want to teach about a devotional life. And it's going to be both philosophical and practical. Now it could be completely practical, and I can just tell you how to have a, a quiet time. And, and, and it won't just be this week, it'll bleed into other weeks as well. But I think I would be doing you a disservice if we just talked about how to pray how to read our Bible. I want to talk to you about why we do these things. It's so important to get this down, and I'm going to put some words on the board because a lot of times in church, in the Christian life, we focus on two words, or I should say two questions. What do we do? And then how do we do it? So I could answer those questions for you. What do we do? Well, we read our Bible. Okay. What do we do? We pray. Okay, well, this is how you pray. But the question, see, the problem with the what and how, because this is all of church, we can talk about what we do. Well, we worship God. Well, how do we do it? Well, we sing these songs. We have prayer time. We do this. But if you focus too much on the what and how of your Christian faith, you're going to become a Pharisee. Because this is where the trouble gets. Because this is what we do, and this is how we do it. And it becomes legalistic. And, and so the question that we really need to be asking is why? Why should I have a devotional life? Why should I read my Bible? Why should I pray? And so we have the practical, which we'll get to later, but why? The philosophical. Why am I, why is this so important to dive into and look at? So we're going to do that tonight. For those that have children upstairs, I want you to know what they're learning so that you can talk to them on the way home. And they're going to be focusing on Jesus and his relationship with the Heavenly Father. Now, during the Gospels, when he walked this earth and his relationship with the Heavenly Father. Now, we will not be looking at that tonight, but that is a, actually a fascinating study. And I'm hoping in to do, doing, I don't know what we're going to do about if we do Wednesday nights or something different, but I'm hoping to do a Life of Christ class maybe for the entire church so that we can dive in and talk about those things. So we won't talk about them tonight, but that's what our children are learning about, Jesus' prayer life, his time with the Father, his connection with the Father. We want to talk about our devotional life, and, and I want to talk to you about 
things that you may think of, a Bible reading, prayer, fasting, meditating, different things, and we'll, we'll mention a few of them as we go. And, and I want to talk about why we do them. And the story of the Bible is basically this, that God wants a relationship with you. That's his desire. When you read the Bible, it's very clear that it wasn't we or you or me that wanted a relationship with him. We really didn't. He wanted a relationship with us. See, God's basic desire is to know you, to be in relationship with you. And our basic desire, I hate to say it, but it's true, is to sin. And then sin is the problem with the relationship. So, again, the story of God is that we would be in right relationship with him. And we get in right relationship with him by spending time with him, by worshiping like we did, by praying like we did, by opening the word like we will do. And so these things are important. This devotional life that we have, and it can be corporate when we do it together like we'll do it together tonight, or private, or in a small group, or in a larger group on a Sunday morning. So um, I want you to think about the quiet time that you have now, the devotional time that you have now. And, and I don't care if it's good, I don't care if it's bad, I just want you to think about it for a moment. And I'm going to give you just a few minutes, I want you to take out the yellow sheet. Now this is a private exercise, this is not a small group or, or a, a moment for talking to your neighbor, this is just you. And I'm, I'm going to be in kind of a hurry tonight, so I'm not going to give you a long time to fill this out. But I'd like you to just fill out the, the, the yellow sheet. Analyze your quiet time and uh, take a look at it and... Um, That'd be great. If you don't mind, we'll just pause the, the video during these sections. And uh, so go ahead and analyze that, fill that out, and we'll come back together. Think about your personal, private, quiet time before we talk about it tonight. Now, I want to say this, and this is really important. And, and I just, I feel like I have to say this as we begin, and, and, and that's this. I don't want you to feel any guilt tonight. Because you can start an exercise like this, and, and you could say, well, boy, I'm, I'm so bad at this, or I'm so bad at that. Or, we are not going to talk about, you've got to do this tonight. There is no you've got to's tonight, okay? This is really, really important. Because what we have to realize is, first of all, the heart of God. And God wants to be with you, Okay? So anytime you show up, God loves it, okay? So there, there's no guilt like, oh, I should do this a lot better. Hey, there's a lot of things I should do a lot better. I get that. I mean, there's a lot. Should we be better? Yeah, we should be better. But I, I want you to understand that God uses us even when we're not perfect. Now, there's a verse I, I don't preach on too much or talk about, but, but it, it's one of those interesting verses from the life of Christ that it's the verse actually right before the Great Commission, okay? To go into all the world, make disciples. The kind of like we need to make disciples, teach them everything he taught us. The, I want to read the, the two verses, but notice the verse right before the Great Commission. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I think of the disciples, after the resurrection, before the ascension, right as the Great Commission is going to be given, I don't think of them as doubting. And yet the Bible tells us that they did. That some of them doubted. And so it's like, maybe I can fit into this group. You know, maybe, you know, because I'm not perfect. These guys were not perfect. And so to think, well, i got to be perfect in my Bible study. i got to be perfect in my prayer. Listen, you don't have to be. Okay? The disciples weren't. You've got people about doubting and, and just, you know, it's just it's a funny thing to think about, but, but I just want to tell you, God loves spending time with you. His grace is so big that, you know, you can say, well, I, I didn't, you know, I, I, only, I only spent a minute, I only spent a minute with God today. I want to tell you, he loved that minute. He loved it. And, and so I haven't done it for, I haven't done it for a while, and, and and so, like, man, tonight was the first time I worshipped in a long time. He loved every second of it. We love our children. We love looking at our children. It's that we love being with our children. And God loves being with us. And we've got to get it in our heads that we don't have to be perfect in these things. 
that, that we're go, trying to go to the next level. We're trying to, to do things better. But you know what? God loves us. And, uh, and we got to get that in our hearts. I, I love, um, there's a, a, an author, I'm going to write some authors' names on the board, and you can, if, you, if you're interested in any of them, but um, his name's Mike Iaconelli. And I know there's a lot of people uh, that have um, thoughts on, on, on Mike and, and his ministry. Um, but I, I love the way he writes. And he wrote a book called Messy Spirituality, uh, another work, book called Childlike Wonder. And uh, I really enjoy um, Mike Iaconelli. I don't agree with swearing while you're preaching, but other than that, I really like Mike Iaconelli. So if you, if you, now he's been dead for a while now, so, but uh, if you hear any of his tapes, you might be a little surprised by what you hear, but, but I love his heart, this idea of messy spirituality, that God loves us no matter what, and um, very Brennan Manning-like, I, I put Brennan Manning's name up there too, uh, ragamuffin gospel kind of guy, so kind of in the same, um, same vein reading a book by Ryan Manning called Ruthless Trust. I don't know if anybody read it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, I love Brendan Manning. Like Mike, I love Mike Iaconelli, too. Um, the thing with um, somebody, he was telling a story that uh, somebody was reading his book Messy Spirituality, and it was a pastor who uh, was a pastor of, of not a church like ours that's, that's you know, pretty, you know, pretty casual, but a, but a very high church, a Presbyterian church where the the pastor had to have the robes on, and they, the pulpit was like way up high above the people, and he was reading Messy Spirituality. He's like, you know, I, you know, I, I act every Sunday like I have it together. And then uh, after reading the book one Sunday, he, uh, he ascended for the sermon, and, um, and he came right back down. And he took the, the robe off, and he had his everyday clothes on, and he walked out to the congregation, and he said, guys, I have to apologize to you, because... Uh, uh, I'm not who you think I am, and I want to make something right. And he goes, um, my little girl asked me to go to a daddy-daughter dance, and I promised her I'd go. And in the busyness of life, I totally forgot I didn't show up. And uh, he goes, I'm really sorry. And so I'd like to, I'd like to make it up to her now. And so they started playing uh, music, and uh, he danced with his daughter right there in front of everybody. And uh, he basically gave the benediction and went home. And I thought... What a powerful sermon, you know? I just, I thought it was such a beautiful thing. But this idea that we've got to be perfect, we're not. None of us are. So I don't want you to feel any guilt when we talk tonight. That's, that's the first thing I want to get across, is that when you go to his word, when you come to pray, when you worship him, he loves it, okay? He's not saying, where have you been, okay? Maybe that's something your dad would have done, your mom would have done. That's not what God does, okay? He loves it when you come into his presence. So um, there's a big difference between being perfect and being forgiven. And, and this word perfect actually means to be mature or complete. And that's what we're working for on nights like tonight. We want to be complete. We want to be mature. We want to grow up in the Lord. It's, it's part of the process. So we're in a process of that. And just know that God loves watching you, whatever part of the process you're in. Now, I want to give you some ideas of disciplines, again, before we talk about the why, because I, I want you to um, kind of go beyond what you think of for quiet time, and I want you to look at, at three different types of disciplines, and these come from uh, a person by the name, and again, I'll just put some more names up here, Dallas Willard. You may know some of these names, you may not, it doesn't matter. Um, I like them all. And Dallas Willard wrote a, a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines, and he broke disciplines down into three main categories with four disciplines inside of each category. And I want to I give these to you so that you can realize that there is more to uh, serving God, devotionals, quiet times, than just praying and reading your Bible. Those, those are part of it. He starts with the inward disciplines, those that are on the inside. And those are meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. Those should be on the screen behind me. So those are the inward disciplines, okay? Um, the meditation is a meditation on Scripture or on a prayer, and it's just that kind of just alone with that thought, with that 
verse with that sentence, whatever it is, uh, from the Word, and you get it inside of your prayer. Obviously, we'll be talking about that tonight and the weeks to come. Fasting, and uh, we haven't touched on that yet, but uh, possibly down the road we'll do that. And then study, or reading the Word, studying the Word. So those are the inward disciplines. The outward disciplines, these are things that we live out, are uh, simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. And these are the things that we, we live out. The, the others we can do by ourselves. These are, you know, obviously you do solitude by yourself, but it's, it's, it's an outward action. Um, and again, we'll talk more about these in, in other nights, but these are the outward disciplines. Simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. Now the corporate disciplines are the ones we do together, that we have to do as the body of Christ. We can't do these all by ourselves. Um, and that's confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. Confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. And I want to tell you that when you read Dallas Willard's book, Dallas Willard is a PhD and, and, and probably one of the most learned men you'll ever hear lecture or write. And, um, uh, and his books are very long, uh, to say the least. So, uh, um, but... So if you're looking for something like Dallas Willard, but you're looking at something a little more simple to understand, I'm going to um, uh, recommend uh, Ortberg's book. John Ortberg. Sorry. And uh, his book is the, um, the Life You've Always Wanted. And it's a, uh, a probably... Think of, think of Celebration Disciplines as an academic book. Think of the life you've always wanted as the, um, as the popular book. He has a new book out that I really like, The Me I Want to Be. So um, I really like that, but again, we'll talk about that more later on. Uh, somebody else in the, in the vein of this, but, but uh, not talking about his books tonight, is Richard Foster. And he would be somebody kind of in between if you're looking for Richard Foster, if you're looking for something kind of in between Dallas Willard and, and, and Ortberg, then I'd go with Richard Foster, and his book is called The Celebration of Disciplines. Now, I had to take a, a spiritual formation class in seminary, and it was actually the first time they had ever offered the class before. And it was all of the things that they found in Celebration of Disciplines. In fact, that was that and Foster's book, uh, were kind of the only books out at that time, and those were the uh, textbooks for uh, spiritual formation. I want to tell you, that was by far my favorite class in seminary. Now, I had Bible and theology and church things and a lot of classes, but spiritual formation was my favorite class. And, and I think it was, one, we were forced to do all the, you know, all the 12 things, and it's good to be forced to do that sometimes, but the reason is, is because I want to talk about why tonight. Why are these things so important? It's because I need them in my relationship with God. I can show up anytime I want, and God's going to be happy to see me. But God wants to do something inside of me. And, and, and so I want to see God change me. And I want to talk about the why here for the next several minutes together. And, and so I want to look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and we're going to do a Bible study later tonight, um, hopefully if we have time, um, and we're going to look at uh, a little bit later in Romans chapter 12, so if you want to keep your Bibles open to that, but Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Why do we spend time with God? Why do we have a quiet time, a devotional? And, and this is simply it, and you can write it down. It's to renew our mind. God wants to change us. Scripture, prayer, all of the disciplines are means of transformation, of changing you, taking you to the next level, maturing you, perfecting you, completing you. 
and we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And this is very important because our mind works uh, based on the reality that we see. So if we're talking philosophically speaking, we have to find out what is the philosophy of our, our mind. And, and so what we do a lot of times with our mind, it, we tie it in to how we think the world works. And so our mind gets tied in, well, this is how life works. This is how my world works. And what God wants to do is he wants to transform the way you think so that you go by the way God says his world works, his kingdom. And so we have to decide. In one hand, I have the world and the way it works, or I can do things the way God wants me to, and his world works, his kingdom works. And the only way that I understand his kingdom is through his word, through what he teaches me, through what he speaks to me. And so the kingdom of God is so important that I live my life based on the kingdom of God. Now, if we were in a theology class, they would give you a, a definition of, uh, of the kingdom of God as this, that it's the range of God's effective will. It's the range of God's effective will. To say it bluntly, it's just wherever Jesus is king, wherever he rules, wherever it's his way, his will being done, that's where the kingdom of God is. And God says, I want my kingdom to be inside of you. And so there are other kingdoms, this is important, there are other kingdoms that are in conflict with his kingdom. We know that, don't we? This world is in conflict to the way God does things. And so we have got to transform ourselves, change ourselves, and that's why we pray when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That I don't live according to the world system, but according to God's system. Because the world system is based around desire. It's based around desire. That's how it's organized. That's how it works. 1 John 2.16. Let me give that to you, and you can do a study on this later. But it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. So, that's how the world works. It works based on its desire. And, and the problem is, is that's not what God wants. God is based on love. He's good. And, and, and desire is not love. Because desire will destroy you. It promises fulfillment, but it's never fulfilled. Desire promises fulfillment, but it's never fulfilled. Love is greater than desire. And if our world's based on desire, well, I've got to get this, I've got to get that, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, I've got to, it's not going to work according to God's way. And so the, the world's mind is set on the flesh, and that's how it's organized, that's how it's run. And God says, I want your life to be based on the spirit. I want it to be based on love. I want it to be based on those things that are good. And so what we see in the New Testament, every time Paul says, get rid of these things in your life and put these things in your life, every time he's saying, get rid of the evil desires. Get rid of the selfishness in your life. Get rid of the things that, that take me away from you. And, and put into your life all those good things. And above all else, put on love or put on agape. That's what he talks about. We'll look at that verse in just a moment. But, but spiritual transformation or formation is moving from conformity to this world to conformity in Christ. And so I want to be like Christ. I want to live according to his way. And so the landmark for my life has to be love. If I'm going to be like God, if I'm going to be his disciple, I have to have love working inside of me. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against you, forgiving each other as, Christ, as, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put these things on. Live according to this way. And so what we see in Scripture saying you don't live according to the world system. Why do I pray? Why do I study the Bible? It's because I want to know God's way for my life. He has a process 
that he wants to take me through. And let me give you the best description of this process that I found in the Bible, and that's in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read it quickly, but this is a great passage to go back and study because this is the process that we're going through. It says, um, By which he has granted us to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Okay, again, I don't want to be that way. I want to be the other way. It says in verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. Look at the list he's building. And self-control, steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Wow. That is a powerful portion of Scripture saying, this is what I want to do in your life. This is the process that I have for you. You know, I'm happy anytime you show up, but this is what I want you to do. And when we begin to look at these lists, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that, all of a sudden we're like, well, where's grace? Because, I mean, it's not by works. You know, how do, you know, you know, how do we do this? And what I want to tell you is that I don't want you to confuse works of salvation for effort in the Christian life. God says, I want you to put some effort into this. In fact, sometimes it's the people that grace touches the most that give the most effort for God. Those that have been forgiven much love much. You know, we see that in the Apostle Paul. He realizes he's the chief of sinners. He realizes what he's, he's been saved out of, and, and there's nothing he wouldn't do for God. And so sometimes we have to realize that it's not just about works. It's about that I want to put forth this effort because of what God has done in my life. And I want this process to be at work in my life. And so so here's the question, and I'm going to put it on the board, that I want you to ask yourself. When you're saying, I want to live a kingdom lifestyle. I want to live according to God's ways, not according to this world's ways. I don't want to just skate by. I want to really do it. This is the question you need to ask yourself. How would Christ lead my life if he were I? How would Christ lead my life if he were I? That's the question. And so we we get some probably poor examples of this in in Christian history, uh, one of which is monasticism, although that's not a terrible thing that happened. There were a lot of great things that came out of, of, of that movement, but that's not what God was talking about. He wasn't talking about withdrawing, becoming monks and and living away. You can't live out the gospel when you do something like that. How do you live out Romans 12? How do you live out the Sermon on the Mount? How do you live out what we just read in 2 Peter? How do we do this? How does it become kind of routine obedience for us? We, We have to look at the Word and see what the early church did. We have to apply it to our lives. And it's not going to happen without the grace of God. We're going to need God. It says without Him we are nothing. And so we need God at work in our life and so we have to apply it to our life so i want to go to mark twelve thirty real quickly and show how this works and then we're going to um, be able to to go then into bible study is how do i get this mindset that um, i want to do it god's way and i want to you know how would christ live if if he lived my life again go back to mark twelve thirty. it says love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, Jesus knew what he was talking about. I want to talk about each part of that. I want to begin with the heart. The heart is where our will is. That's where we make our decisions. And, and so we got to realize that we need to love him with that, that, that it's that executive part of our life, if you will. It makes all of the decisions. So that's the heart. But the heart doesn't make decisions all by itself. Sometimes we say, well, I, I, I went with my heart. And I understand what you're saying. But a heart doesn't make the decision all by itself. The source that helps the, the heart make the decision is actually the mind. The mind helps the heart make the decision. 
And, and when that goes wrong, then the heart becomes enslaved if you make those wrong decisions. But if my mind has been transformed, if I pray, if I fill my mind with the Word of God, if my mind is full of the Word of God, what's the worst my heart can do? I'm not trying to be funny. But really, think about it. If your mind is right in the Word, how bad can your heart be? I think, of, uh, <laughs> it sounds silly, but when, we, when I was a little boy and I would get angry, um, I would want to swear when I was a little boy. And so what did I say? I don't even remember. When I, I'd get really angry and what would I say? <laughs> yeah, so I, that was bad. Those were the worst things I could think of. Those were the worst things I could think of. Yeah, I said cigarettes. That was the, was that an 8, 9, 10 letter word? I don't know. But yeah, just, boy, that was the worst thing I could think of. But again, and I, I'm, I'm being funny about that because I can think of other words now. But, um, but, but when, when I was a little kid, you see, the mind, that's, that's how the mind thinks. So I'm going to act out of what's inside of my mind. And so it's very important that I am putting the word of God in my mind, whether through memory or meditation or reading, that, that it works out. So again, we have to get that inside of us. Then the body is important, because a lot of times, especially in maybe charismatic Christianity, we don't think the body's that important, because, you know, really our, our spirits are the ones that connect with God. So what's our, what, the body is so important, because the body is the power pack, if you will. That's how we live this out. He says, give yourself as a living sacrifice to me. Give me your body. And, and let me renew your mind and change your heart. And then your body can live out what you're called to do. And what I want you to notice is this. That every spiritual discipline, all 12 of them that we mentioned, and you can think about anything else, is any way we worship God or we partake in a spiritual discipline, we have to use our body in some way. That's really important to realize that we have to use our body. Every spiritual discipline affects our body. And so the body is how we live it out. Our heart makes a decision, our mind directs the heart, and our body then lives it out. And, and what we have then is that we, live, we love them with all of our soul. And what's important about the soul is the soul ties all these things together. You might want to think of it as the computer or the, the software that runs it all. And, and so it, it kind of ties it all together. And when my, my soul, my spirit is right with God, then my mind, my heart, you know, and, and that's why it's so important to have all of this renewed by God. And this is why we see the psalm writer in, in, in Psalm 42.5 say, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The, the psalm writer is talking to his soul saying, why are you so down? He, and sometimes we need to talk to ourselves. Why are you doing this? Why are you, come on, you know what God wants you to do. And we need to talk to ourselves because God is saying, I want you to do this. And so, so the scriptures, especially, so in scripture, because that's usually what we think about with quiet time, is an important part of this transformation. It's an important part of renewing your mind, getting your heart right, acting out, living out right, and, and having the spirit and the soul tie it all together. And, um, and, and so we have to not only get saved, because the world looks different after we're saved, but then we have to grow. And, and we can't let our mind stay in a wrong place. We have to bring it to the right place. So we have to study His Word. That can be on your own. That can be in a large group. That can be on a Sunday morning, on Sunday school, small groups. Anyway, you, you need to get the Bible inside of you, and the Word will change you. If you want to read a great passage of Scripture, Psalm 119, when David is talking about the law of God, he's actually talking about the Word of God and how the Word quickens us, how the Word makes us alive, how the Word restores our soul. Again, that idea, we love Him with all our soul that ties it all together. Um, Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul of spirits, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. we got to understand that this is so important to get inside of us, get the Word inside of us, because the Word is powerful and the Word will change us. And the world is opposed to this, okay? The world is opposed to God's Word. And so the world would say, well, you know, you're just standing in front of people and you're preaching 
And, and you're just asking people to make a, a leap of faith in what you're talking. And, and the reality is what we're talking about is the true reality. This is how it really works. This is, we're talking about not just this life, but all of eternity. I'm not negating that the world works a certain way, that desires run this world. I get it. But I'm choosing not to live that way. I'm choosing to honor God. I'm choosing to be in his process rather than the world's process so that I don't become conformed to this world, but rather I become conformed to God. So that's why we pray. That's why we study the word. That's why we fast. That's why we do all the things we're going to talk about is because I need it to change me because I'm not meant to stay the same. I'm meant to live according to God's way. Now, what can happen sometimes when we talk about praying, reading our Bible, all the different disciplines, is we get this continuum, and on one end, we can become legalistic, and on the other end, um, you know, we can, I don't know if you, would you want to write freedom or, um, or, or a pleasure, it's a, it's a joy to do. You know, it's difficult over here, over here it's a pleasure. So it's difficult. And, and so what I want to say is that when we partake in the disciplines that we're talking about, a lot of times it does start over here. And that's okay. Because my mind is so used to working a certain way that I've got to transform it. I've got to change it. And, and so what's going to happen is it might begin here but then it's going to move this way. Now it's going to ebb and flow back and forth. But, but there are going to be times where I have to say, you know what? It's time to pray. It's time to study God's word. I put things on my calendar. Now it's a little different because I have to preach and teach and lead God's flock. So I better be spending time with God. But you lead your family. You're, you're in a lot of people's lives that... You know, I get to be in your life, and you know God. You're in a lot of people's lives that don't know God, so you really need this, you know. But so sometimes it does become legalistic. Well, I just, I guess I have to do it. But, but again, discipline isn't for, so that I can say, well, look what I've done, or to be rigid. Richard Foster talks about this a lot, is that, that we, we practice these disciplines so that we are ready in season. We, we read our Bible, we pray, not to be legalistic about it, not to be rigid about it, but that at the right moment, I can do what God wants me to do. You know? Uh, Jesus, that's, that's his whole ministry, his whole life. Every decision he had to make, every demon he had to cast out, every person he had to heal. You know that Jesus never prays for a miracle, ever, in his ministry? He prays one time at the raising of Lazarus, and his prayer isn't even to the Father. Well, it is, but he says, Father, I'm praying not so that you hear me, so they hear me, and they know that you sent me. That's his prayer. So he's really praying so everybody else hears the prayer. But every other time, you know, uh, he's just ready for the occasion. He's ready for the decision. And again, we have to get that mindset that I am in the word for the right moment, that, that I can do the right thing at the right time. And, and the whole point of being disciplined is so that I break the power of sin in my life. That habitual sin. That if Because in the story of God, I want to sin. He wants to love me. That sin separates me from him. So I, I don't want to sin anymore. So that's why I'm, I, I, I want time with him. I want to be close to him. I want to be in his word. So that it breaks me from that habit. Because again, if your mind is full of God, how far can your heart really go? You know? And uh, I think this is a powerful thing to break us of some of the most heinous sins of our generation. You know, whether it be pornography or whether it be alcoholism or drug abuse or different, is that it, I, I've got to fill my mind with something else. Because if I'm really here with God, how far can my heart go? But if I'm filling my mind with the other stuff, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. See, this is so important. And, and we have to be careful that we don't turn this, you know, into a, a legalistic thing, because that can be a pitfall. But the great thing about Jesus is that he didn't come to put us in bondage. He came to set us free. And if we're, if we're doing it correctly, we're going to see um, God's power at work inside of us. So how do we start? How do we start? 
I'm going to give these, unfortunately, they're not on the board. I apologize. I, I, uh, I'm not sure why I didn't put them on the board. So, um, so I'm just going to, I'm going to read them to you. But how do we start? And uh, we're going to start tonight. We're going to start studying the word tonight. We start where, we're, where we are. Okay, this is really important. Start where you are. Unless I did put them on the board. No, I didn't. Okay, start where you are. You know, if don't expect to, to start at a certain level or you look in so-and-so's like, wow, look at what they're... No, just start where you are. Like I said, God loves it when you show up. So just start where you are. Don't worry about where, what time you've wasted or where somebody else is. Start where you are. And then evaluate your level. Evaluate your level of discipline right now. The, the quiet time thing I had you fill out wasn't just a mere exercise. I want you to figure out where am I at right now? Where am I at right now? And so figure that out. And then remember grace. And if you fall down, get back up. Again, remember God loves to see you. Say, you put it on your counter. I'm going to be in the Word 20 minutes a day, every day. And you forget a day or two days or a week goes by. Get right back up. God's going to love to see you again. Remember grace. Remember his love. The next thing is remember that spiritual formation or disciplines, they're, they're a process. Remember it's a process. And um, that process is going to require maintenance, you know. You're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time, it's going to take energy, it's going to take that regular maintenance. And I, I encourage you to do the last one, and that is share what you're doing with others. Because that's some built-in accountability. If I tell my accountability group, I'm going to spend such and such amount of time in prayer and the word every week, I know the next time we get together, they're going to ask me, how'd you do with that? Share it with, share it with other people. And um, watch what God will do. That's how you start. And um, I've given you some things tonight that I want to share with you quickly here. And so if you have your handouts, I want to do a couple of things. And if you remember, um, shampoo, that's a prayer thing. Remember Pastor Jonathan did that in a message. I thought that was really creative because uh, I did the soap, so he did the shampoo. And so if you do the soap and shampoo every morning, you'll be clean. You'll be in God's Word. So... Um, but uh, again, those things are there for you. Um, let me share with you another thing here with um, the, the Lectio Divina, which is, just means divine reading. And this is something that's been a part of um, uh, uh, church, uh, I mean, I don't know, hundred, probably thousand plus years inside the church. And, um, and this is something I did with the encounter groups. That's why it says encounter on the top of it. It was a very powerful evening, but what, what you do when you, when you practice this in, in your devotions is you read the passage of Scripture. You're going to read it four times. Uh, here's the thing. You're going to read it with no distraction, and you're going to read it aloud and slowly. And you're going to do that. You're going to read it once, then you're going to reflect and respond, and you, you're going to, and this is what we do here. You just you write down what the Lord is speaking to you. I think we did Psalm 139, if I'm not mistaken, and we just do that, and we just write it down the first time I listen to it, I just rest, and then I read it aloud slowly again, I allow the Spirit to speak to me, and I write down again, and rest, and I do that four times. Now, that takes a little bit of time, I understand, but it is amazing what the Holy Spirit will speak to you when you just stop everything, and, and a lot of times, we get very concerned about reading the Bible that we have to read the Bible. And we, we do need to read the Bible. But do you, do you realize that reading the Bible is actually a very modern thing to do? That most of the time, God's people back uh, in, in, you know, in, the, in the children of Israel all the way through you know, before the printing press, is they heard the Bible. They didn't, they didn't necessarily ever read the Bible. They just heard the Word of God. So there is nothing wrong with listening to the Bible on tape or reading the Bible aloud or having somebody read the Bible to you. It's actually a very powerful thing.
for the Lord to speak to you through the words of Scripture. And so maybe you never do that, but I encourage you to read out loud. Even if it's you reading, to read out loud and to let your ears receive the word of the Lord. It's very, very important. And, um, and again, if you don't have a lot of time during the day, uh, this is a 10-minute daily quiet time that I even use if I don't have time. Uh, it just, there's a busy day, it's, you know, cranking. Pray for a couple minutes. Read the Bible for five minutes. I, I encourage you. Um, something that's very special, and I, I hope to, you know, I have, um, you know, if you come to my office, I have a lot of Bibles. But I have certain Bibles that I use. I use for teaching, I use for study. I, I just have certain Bibles that I, I really like. And I mean, I obviously have Bibles on my iPad and things like that. But I have Bibles that, that I read for study, and I highlight, and I write in them. And, and someday, I'll be able to give those Bibles to, to my children because they're my, that's my time with God. And so I never read the Bible without a pen or a highlighter, ever. Because, and now I know that some people say, well, I don't because I want the Lord to speak to me something different. I get that too. But I, I want to highlight what God speaks to me, what, he's, what the Spirit is saying. And so if you are reading, even for five minutes, use that highlighter. Then pray uh, listen and write. I think writing is so important. Journaling is such an important part of your study. And, and one is because we forget very quickly. If we don't take notes during a sermon, we will forget that sermon within a couple hours. But when I write it down, I can go back to those notes anytime and go, that's what God spoke to me. And I love having those notes, whether I, I write them on my iPad or I have them in my Bible. I've got them forever. And I can go back and see what God spoke to me. So uh, I, I think listening and resting is a very important part of spending time with God. If I'm talking and doing something the entire time, I won't hear him. So you've got to rest and you've got to listen. And so this is what I want to do tonight. I know I don't, don't have a lot of time. My favorite type of study, and this produces pretty much every sermon I've ever preached, and that's the SOAP Bible study. And um, I've talked about it in, in church uh, before. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. You can read all about it here. But this is what I'd like you to do tonight in, in a few moments that we have together. Is I want you to, first of all, you write down the scripture. And I'm going to give you the assignment tonight. Um, so um, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to ask you to do your study on verses 9 through 21. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And um, you just, just write down the passage of Scripture. So you'll need, you'll need your notes. If you ran out of note paper, you can get another sheet out in the lobby. But just get your blank note paper. Write an S, an O, an A, and a P. Okay? And so just write the Scripture down. All you have to write down is Romans 12, 9 through 21. And then... Um, Make observations. Just write down the observations that as you read, and it, you can stop at every cent, at every verse and write something down, or you can read the whole thing through and write it down. But I want you to make, these are observations from the text, not, not what you're going to do with it, but just observations text. Oh, I noticed Paul saying this, or, you know, this is important. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. You write it down. And then you make application to your life. So you write the A and you write some application. Um, this is what I need to do to live it out. Because again, it's not just a head and a heart thing. It's a body thing, living it out. What is God calling me to do? And then you write your prayer. You don't say your prayer. You write your prayer. Because God's continually speaking to you through this process. So I'm going to give you time. Edgar, if we could just put on some worship music. And I'm going to give you five, ten minutes to do that now. And if you don't have a Bible, I hope everybody has a Bible. And uh, if you need paper, it's in the lobby. Pen's in front of you. But this is your SOAP Bible study. And then I want to talk to you about it when you're done. Um, I know I rushed you through that. And I apologize for, for rushing you through that. Here's what I want to say, too, is, is things like this. And you say, well, I don't like to read. I don't like to write. You need to discipline yourself to do it. You need to say, I'm going to do this. Mark Batterson talks a lot about this in his books, and it's part of our brain called the reticular activating system. It's the RAS. It's the part of our brain that notices things because we're bombarded by images, and we couldn't handle everything if we had to process it all. So we recognize some things, and we throw away everything else. 
and, and what they noticed in, in the RAS is that we notice what we're looking for. We notice when somebody is wearing the same outfit that we're wearing or driving the same car as we drive, because we don't notice all the cars, we notice our car, you know. That's, that's how your brain works. And this is so important. This is why we have a devotional life, a quiet time. So why we read the Bible and pray. And we'll talk more about these things in the weeks to come. Why do we do this? Because I want my brain looking for those things. See, if my brain is full of lust or pride or greed, I'm, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm going to see in this world. That's what, that's what I'm going to focus on in this world. If that's what my, my mind is full of, that's what I'm going to see and that's what I'm going to notice. But if my heart and my mind is full of the Lord, that's what I'm going to see in this world. And so you want to break the bondage of sin in your life? You want to break the, the, the things that you've been going through? You need to change, transform the way that you think and live. And, and this is a big step in being a disciple. And um, so I want to pray with you tonight. And what I'd love for you to do now, if you have children, you, you need to go now. But if you don't have children, what I would love for you to do is talk with it. Because another big part of this is, is sharing with one another. I'd like you to talk with somebody, maybe another person or two other people. What did God speak to you from that Romans 12 passage? Because no doubt the Holy Spirit spoke something to you while you were reading and writing. So I want to pray for you and give you the blessing. And then I want you to talk with a, a couple other people and just see what the Lord spoke to you tonight. But, um, um, God, we just thank you for our time together. And, Lord, I know that we probably covered a, a lot tonight. And, and, again, I know it's a lot of groundwork. So, Lord, I pray that the Spirit would just take what we talked about and um, make it come alive in our heart, bring to remembrance the things that we need to remember. And, and uh, Lord, that we would do what you've called us to do. And, Lord, that we would find ourselves reflecting on your word and meditating on your word and praying your word. And, and, and Lord, just seeing uh, your spiritual growth in our life. God, we want to be focused on you and your ways and not the ways of this world, not the ways of sin, not the way that we would normally go. God, we want to be transformed and renewed by you, conformed into your image, God, that you may live through us here on this earth. God, we love you and we honor you. And I thank you, Lord, for everyone that's here tonight. I pray a blessing upon them now. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name.